Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, welcome to More Than Amused podcast. I'm Sadie. And I'm Stani, and welcome back. Happy December, everybody. This is our first, yeah, first episode of December. How exciting. Yeah, it's really exciting. Right at the front, I wanted to mention, me and my friend Lexi are like co-hosting this fun little art challenge up until yeah. the 13th of December. It's Taylor Swift inspired. So if you're a Swifty and you like art, art then definitely come and join it's called 13 days of swiftmas we came up with a bunch of prompts and we're just doing like fun little creative things every day until taylor swift's birthday on the 13th i love it i need to participate in tomorrow's prompt i've loved the stuff that you've created and shared for it thank you you're rebranding right today you posted like the rebranding for like the debut era is that right yes i did um love taylor swift debut album as if it was taylor's version reimagined it was fun i went like all art nouveau and did the vinyl and the cd and it was fun i liked it a lot yeah it was really cool so i need to like record a cover or something for tomorrow you so should tomorrow's Mm -hmm. her three cats so oh that okay. might be a hard hmm. one to do a cover for i guess you could do like karma <laughs> okay or i could my first thought was like gorgeous like oh yeah i guess i'll stumble on home to my cats alone yeah that could work i could figure out a way to but make yeah you should totally join in you could do a cover a day until her birthday i love Fun. that is it just on instagram right like it's not on tiktok yeah just on instagram you could okay, do it cool. on tiktok too but it's not that's true we're not with the times we both have full-time jobs and also i'm doing this and a million other things so (laughs) because we're creators and of course that means we're doing seven things (laughs) yeah Yeah, the prompts are just all on our account it's 13 days of swift miss and same hashtag come do it it's been fun you're i mean you guys branding for it's great so and speaking of christmas we get to dive into like our first christmas themed person of the year which is fun too yes i'm excited for the record finding a holiday woman artist is very difficult it turns out that christmas is just a man's holiday because any movie christmas song that isn't just like obviously like sung by a woman like there is just not a lot of women behind these scenes in these in the holidays thing so if anyone who's listening like knows of one please update me because yes yeah what a struggle it has been this year to find like an artist that has enough information it's so difficult every year we thought halloween would be hard it's not it's christmas like and i feel like they're always kind of loosely related yeah (laughs) because it's just like okay everyone who's listening think for a minute about your favorite christmas movie Mm -hmm. the main character is a guy Oh, yeah. And well, unless it's like some like holiday, like Hallmark movie. Yeah. But like Hallmark movies aren't really anyone's favorite. You know, like people enjoy the yeah. genre, but they're not like, oh, this 
specific Hallmark movie is my is favorite, my favorite Christmas, movie. Christmas movie. You know, okay. people think of A Wonderful Life or Elf or Frosty the Snowman or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Notice that all of those are men. <laughs> True. There is one newer Netflix movie. I think it's called Love Hard. Yes. I watched it over Thanksgiving break and it's like a rom-com Christmas movie. I thought it was really cute and I actually really enjoyed it. And I'm pretty sure it made Jordan cry. <laughs> so Aww. I would recommend it. Maybe not I fully cry, that. but Jordan was like, oh, I actually really like this. It was really cute. And it's like cheeky. The movie was self-aware, which I feel like if you're going to write, do a movie like that. Also, the Lindsay Lohan movie, the new like uh, Christmas Lindsay Lohan movie. I need to watch it because I've heard it's very like it's like a bad Christmas movie, but like in the way that like it's fun, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Love those. I love a good mm-hmm. old cheesy movie every once in a while. Me too. And the holidays are full of them. And apparently it's the only way women are represented in this holiday. So, you know, whatever. Apparently so. I guess it's just Hallmark. And then also you even think of songs and everyone immediately thinks of, of course, Mariah Carey. We get it. Yeah. But then um, (laughs) everyone else is like, okay, Michael Buble or the Beach Boys or, you know, and most of the songs are written by men. Most of them yes. were sung by men. If they're sung by women, they were written by men. It's it's a very hard holiday for women. So, if, yeah. yeah, it really is. <laughs> I mean, difficult. I guess I guess the holiday celebrates a man. So, like, wh- we should have known, but like, whatever. Uh, I guess so. <laughs> celebrates a man and another man. Whether you're celebrating Santa or Jesus, <laughs> they're both men. True, <laughs> true. But I did okay. find a very cute. Yes, I was gonna say artist yes who is has quotes about christmas she painted little lovely winter scenes i feel like it's very fitting even though Mm -hmm. you know yeah it's it's loosely related to christmas but you know okay okay count it (laughs) no i i like the loosely related to christmas it's perfect okay great well we're talking about grandma moses So Grandma Moses was actually born Anna Mary Robertson. She was born in Greenwich, New York on September 7th, 1860. And she's actually the third of 10 children. Wow. Which is a lot of children. Yes, that's a big family. Yes, so lots of brothers and sisters. She had four sisters and five brothers. Her father was Russell King Robertson, and he actually ran a flax mill, and he was a farmer. And then okay. her mother was Margaret Shanahan Roberts. She actually attended a one-room school, which always makes me think of like Anne of Green Gables, you know, like That's the little... what exactly what I was just going to say. Right? Yes. Like the little one-room school with the school marm. They all have like their books and their little slates that they write their letters on. Mm-hmm. So very like small town farm life is exactly what you can imagine for her. What's cool is yes. that actually that one-room school that she attended is now the Bennington Museum in Vermont, and it has the largest collection of her work in the United States. So they turned her oh, little cool. one-room schoolhouse into a museum of her art, which is very cool. I, I think that, that is yeah, cool. just adorable. They actually had art lessons at school, and that's what first inspired her painting. She would use uh, a lot of non-traditional materials because paint 
was really expensive. Back in that time, obviously, mm. they didn't have like the little watercolor sets that they gave out to everyone. That wasn't like a thing. Uh, so yeah. she actually mm-hmm. painted using lemon and grape juice to make color for landscapes and then also used like ground ochre, grass, flower, paste, slack lime, and sawdust to create different colors. Wow. Kind of adding to that whole little small town farm life at age 12, she actually ended up leaving home and performing farm chores for a wealthy neighboring family. So she would keep a house, cook, and sew for wealthy families for 15 years after that. Wow. Yeah. So that was basically her career was basically like a maid, I guess, kind of. Like, I don't know. She kept yeah. the house. Got a, a housekeeper. Housekeeper. I <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the families actually noticed her interest in some of the prints that they had bought. And so they ended up buying her some chalk and wax crayons as well that she was able to start experimenting with. That's cool. Yeah. So art kind of was loosely throughout her whole childhood as a hobby and into her adulthood. Mm -hmm. But obviously she was cooking, cleaning, and sewing for families for 15 years. So there wasn't a lot of time (laughs) to explore a lot else. Adding to not a lot of time, at age 27, she ended up working on the same farm as a Thomas Salmon Moses, who was a hired man And they got married, moved to Staunton, Virginia, and spent 20 years living and working on five local farms. Wow. Yes. So I think they kind of moved from place to place, just depending on different things. I don't know what makes you like leave one and go to another. There wasn't a lot of details on that. Yeah, they went to the Bell Farm, Echo Farm, Dudley Farm, and Mount Airy Farm. So Dang. Working gal. Yes. Like lots (laughs) Of working. She actually, in order to supplement their family's income while he was working and she was working, she actually made a lot of like homemade goods and sold them. So she would make potato chips and she would churn butter from the milk of a cow that they purchased with her savings and sell the butter. And with all of the saving and working and everything that they did, they ended up buying their own farm because that's what you do when you're a farmer. You leave other people's work and go make your own. Farming is hard. Yeah, yes, respect (laughs) to anyone who does it because I could never. Yeah. I mean, I could, but... My great-grandpa was a farmer, and then my grandpa did farming for a couple of years, and there's this board game called The Farming Game. Okay. It's it's a very realistic board game. It was actually made by farmers, but it's very (laughs) like, this is what we go through. We're making everyone else suffer. Yeah, you buy, like, all these crops and everything, and then they'll, like, draw a card, and it will be like, oh, your crops died like okay and you just miss out on everything like it's just all gone because that's that's farming for you and we were playing it (laughs) once and my grandpa was like this is really realistic like (laughs) that's what farming is you spend money and then you make just enough money to spend more money and you just work over and over and over again it is is not an easy job so crazy glad that they got to buy their own farm but i'm sure that was just as much work Yes. All the others. They lived in the house for only a year, I think. They bought it in January of 1901, and it was the first home that they ever owned. So I'm sure that was like really, really special to them. Mm -hmm. But they were only able to live there for a year because her husband actually died shortly after. At 67 years of age, he died of a heart attack. And then her son took over and ended up helping her operate the farm. Was he a lot older than her or like, is this how long she's working as a farmer? Let's see. He was 67 in 1927. 
and she was born in 1860. So he was born in 1860. She was born in 1860. They were the same age. Oh, okay. So this is like her whole life then farming. Yes. Oh, she, okay. Yeah, she got into art really much later in her life. But oh, she didn't okay, have any cool. time until then. She was... No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> I just like wanted to farm. make sure I was understanding the time. Right. <laughs> no, you're good. So yeah, he passed away. I know I talk about a whole lifetime and you're like, we haven't even well, gotten into art yet. <laughs> that's what I'm like, wait, 60 years old, husband died. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like they, they built a whole farm together. Like yep. wh- yeah. what's happening here? Okay, I know cool. her Just... career hasn't even begun yet. So she's 67. No, I... That's amazing. <laughs> I love unconventional paths. I know. Same. So he passes away from a heart attack at age 67 in 1927. And then okay. her son, Forrest, ended up helping her take over the farm. And she retired from farming and moved to her daughter's home in 1936. So just a couple of years later. Like I mentioned before, she was the third oldest of 10 children. She actually gave birth to 10 children herself. Um, <laughs> wow. I mean, yes. I guess if you have a farm, that's actually probably pretty helpful. Right? You're like, okay, we have one to go milk the cow, one to go do this. Like, Yeah, like, dang. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, though, only five of them survived infancy. So they ended up oh. only having five adult children, but they did have 10 children together throughout their life. So oh my just kind of another, you know, that hard farm life that I can't even imagine. Like, yeah. Talk about experience. But yeah, she never married again. I mean, she was 67, so I don't find it like that shocking. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> totally fair to me. Yeah. And they had spent a really long time together obviously mm-hmm. like working and being married from it was 60 she was married at 27 and he died at 67 so oh my gosh that's a long life yeah. with someone you know 40 years with someone mm-hmm. working and living on a farm and having 10 kids and five adult yeah. children like that's a long life long hard happy life but she got a nickname around this time as mother moses or grandma moses and that's kind of where she ended up being called that i'm sure from like her grandchildren and everything else yeah and just started calling her Grandma Moses. Like I mentioned before, she always like had that creative streak, you know, like she painted in her elementary school house. She got chalk and different things from some of the family she worked with. She also uh-huh. talked about how like when she was little, her father would bring them sheets of paper as mm-hmm. like a treat because it was a penny a sheet and it lasted longer than candy so he would bring mm. them white sheets of paper and have them draw pictures because it lasted longer and it was more entertaining for them than just like eating a piece of candy so it was always like a part of her life and I think kind of a respite from the hardness of everything else that you would have to endure as like a farmer <laughs> yeah. that she was able to have like this escape from that in some creative way which I think is really important for everyone uh-huh In 1918, she actually used house paint to decorate a fireboard, you know, like a fireplace cover that goes in front Uh, of it. Yeah, okay, cool. They used to just use like a decorative board they would prop up in front of the fire to like stop the draft from coming down when the fire wasn't going. So she Mm -hmm. painted a fireboard. In 1932, she made embroidered pictures of yarn for friends and family. She did a lot of like quilted objects and art. Yeah, which is considered hobby art. 
And I actually thought this was kind of interesting. An expert talked about how that hobby art was an activity so low on the art lists that it still ranks way below folk art, which we've talked Ah. about this, how annoying that is that a lot of women's activities and art forms are declared lower because they're like not as prestigious as like a painter or a sculptor. Uh That's our episode on it's called what weaving women i think that's our most listened to episode so it is go listen if you haven't yet everybody yeah so kind of funny that like these quilted projects she was working on were called hobby art when i'm sure they were they're probably beautiful yeah yeah she really didn't like knitting and sewing so she started entertaining herself and her friends by making needlework pictures and quilts portraying colorful scenes of farm life um, which is just beautiful And then at 78, arthritis struck and she wasn't able to embroider anymore. And this is when her painting career began. Yes. I love this. You know, so we're 78 and we're just barely at the beginning of her incredible artistic career. And you're not going to believe what happens next. Like it just takes off in a way that like you would never expect. I am (laughs) truly filled with joy right now. (laughs) Yes. So she gets arthritis and her friends suggest that she starts painting because it's easier on your hands. You don't have to do a lot of those elaborate movements with needlework. You're able to just move the paintbrush in which it's a very approachable art form for people, especially in their Mm -hmm. older age when their hands don't have as much mobility. So for her first paintings, she actually just used house paint and then leftover Mm -hmm. canvas or fireboard, which makes sense, just whatever was lying around. Everything I read was like, as a self-taught artist, she had little concern for perspective or proportion. Most art nowadays doesn't really conform to a lot of perspective (laughs) and proportion. So it's kind of hilarious that there was such an emphasis on that. She fits perfectly into the folk art category, like exactly what you would expect on a charming little Christmas card. That's Grandma Moses. So she started painting. And the first painting that she gave away was a painting for their postman's Christmas gift. Because she said it was easier to make a painting than to bake a cake over a hot stove. And painted works would last longer than her embroidered compositions made of wool and Uh would be eaten by moths over time because, you know, they live in a a farming community. (laughs) So she was like, I will paint him a painting and that will last longer. And her sense of accomplishment in her painting was rooted in her ability to make something from nothing. And when her right hand began to hurt, she switched to her left. So I guess she was ambidextrous in painting, which is incredible too. But I just love that, like, so, just like her dad, you know, it's like a painting yeah. lasts longer than a treat. So we'll do that. And like, it was Christmas then. Christmas is what brought her her art career. So yes, it's perfect. Exactly. There it ties in. <laughs> it ties in beautifully, actually. <laughs> yes. What's beautiful about how she painted is that regardless of how hard her like farm life must have been, she painted mm-hmm. these beautiful scenes of rural life. She called them old timey New England landscapes. And she said that she would get inspiration, start painting, forget everything except how things used to be and how to paint it so that people will know how it used to live. And one thing Mm. that's really charming about her works is that this is like during the 20s, but she admitted a lot of features of modern life like tractors and telephone poles. So it didn't have a lot of those like signs of modernization, which in my opinion Mm -hmm. just makes them like really beautiful and charming like I think telephone poles are beautiful but in her works like you really get this little like rustic farm Mm -hmm. life that's just so cute and beautiful and there's no tractors it's just like all little people 
and mm-hmm. horses like an idealized and version of it kind of yes and like i said even with regardless how hard her life must have been these scenes are just beautiful her early style was a lot more primitive she's self-taught so there was like i said rejection of basic perspective But as her career advanced, she started creating complicated panoramic compositions of rural life. Regardless of the fact that she was in her late 70s, uh, she generated more than 1,500 canvases in three decades. So Grandma Moses went on to live into her 90s. And from 70 until 90, she had a prolific, beautiful painting career with 1500 1500 yes that is a lot of paintings i know get this in the beginning she charged three to five dollars for a painting (gasps) depending on its size Uh as her fame increased her works were sold for eight thousand to ten (gasps) thousand dollars like while she was alive yes okay that's good i know isn't it a beautiful story Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of the times when we talk about artists who are more accomplished in their older years, they don't get to see a lot of the success. Like, Hilma Offclint never saw the fame that she would reach. Mm -hmm. But she did. Like, she got to sell her paintings for $8,000 to $10,000 after selling them for $3. That is so cool. And also, too, like, just with all the artists we've covered, it's just so common for them not to, like, get the monetary value that they would deserve until after their death so like Mm -hmm. yes it's so good that she got to like see that I love that I know a lot of people have actually compared her work to this Flemish Renaissance painter called Peter Mm. Bruegel the Elder he's from Belgium he has some really beautiful kind of similar like very farm life he has a really, really famous painting called The Hunters in the Snow. If you saw it, you okay. would know what it was. It's cool. the trees and there's foxes and dogs and hunters chasing after him. If you Google it, you'd know what I'm talking I'm, about. But Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. I recognize yeah, it immediately. Exactly. Like, <laughs> it's a very famous painting. So a lot of people compared her work to his work, even though she had never seen it. Mm-hmm. So kind of fun that there's oh, this connection amazing. between this Dutch painter from the Renaissance period and Grandma Moses in the yeah. 1920s. <laughs> A German fan actually said, there emanates from her paintings a lighthearted optimism. The world she shows us is beautiful and it is good. You feel at home in these pictures and you know their meaning. The unrest and the neurotic insecurity of the present day make us inclined to enjoy the simple and affirmative outlook of Grandma Moses. Oh, that is so sweet. I know. It's beautiful. And I think a lot of that probably had to do with the fact that the Industrial Revolution would have been right around this time. Well, well, yeah, I was going to say it's that. probably close to it. It's just funny to hear of like, oh, it reminds us of the good old days when it's like now, like <laughs> whatever there was there, like, you know, like, oh, all this technology, it's ruining our lives. It's like, well, here I am talking to you on a screen with like my phone right next to me. So <laughs> I, know. I don't know. It's just like, wow. Uh, Society has come so far for better or for worse. <laughs> Hilarious, right? Okay, so let's get into how kind of she got her fame. Oh, yay, yay. Yes. So during a visit to Hoosick Falls in 1938, Louis J. Calder, Mm -hmm. an art collector who worked as an engineer in the state of New York, saw paintings made by Moses in the window of a drugstore. He bought their supply and 10 more from her Eagle Bridge house for 3 or $5 each. The next year, three Grandma Moses paintings were included in the New York Museum of Modern Art exhibition titled Contemporary Unknown American Painters. Her first Ooh. solo exhibition, What a Farm Wife Painted, opened, of course, they, <laughs> What a Farm Wife Painted, even though she practically farmed 
I was like, what a farmer painted. <laughs> exactly. Whatever. <laughs> Opened in New York in October 1940 at Otto Keller's Gallery St. Anthony. I don't know. A meet and greet with the artist in an exhibition of 50 paintings at Gimbel Department Store was held next on November 15th. Her art displays oh. included samples of her baked goods and preserves that won Moses prizes at the county fair. Her third solo show in as many months was held by the White Gallery, Washington, D.C., and in 1944, she was represented by the American British Art Center in the Gallery of St. Etienne, which increased her sales. Her paintings were then exhibited throughout Europe and the United States over the next 20 years. Wow. Right? Just like, can you imagine? Just this art collector happens upon her paintings being sold for five bucks at the local drugstore buys mm -hmm. like all of them and 10 more from her and then she ends mm -hmm. up getting her own exhibition and then touring the world with her paintings it makes me like that art critic like what was he again i'm sorry he was art, an art, art curator collector. or whatever yeah art so he just cool. collected art because it's like bought art for fun yeah but i feel like that is so cool that he obviously had such an unpretentious view of art right right because there he is buying art for you know very cheap but like immediately like he recognized the value in it and then because of that he did what needed to be done to put it on the pedestal you know I feel like it's so easy for I'm sure like an art collector one but like all of us to like look at a piece of art or someone creating art and be like oh well not everyone thinks it's good it's not expensive yet so you know like to have the confidence of being like nope I think this has value even though I just bought this for five dollars and no one has heard of this woman ever you know right? like like that's just a cool thing I agree and like our collectors are so important especially back then to like the growing of an artist because because mm -hmm. it's not like know, they like, can share it on social media no they didn't have any way to do it like grandma Moses is out there living uh -huh. in New England painting and selling paintings to her neighbors like she doesn't have any way to like promote yeah. that nor would she probably ever try you know like yeah she's 70 something she's not like going to art galleries and like pushing her stuff so I think it's just really beautiful that like in this mm -hmm. wonderful way you know that she was able to reach this acclaim and then like passing out her baked goods and preserves that she won prizes for of all the people that are like coming to her art show like yeah that's cute. bringing me a lot of joy as well i know <laughs> just adorable the gallery owner of her first solo exhibition auto killer he ended up establishing uh -huh. a, a business title thing for her to sell her paintings under called grandma moses properties inc and kind of helping mm. her start to really profit off of this. And she did. Uh, her paintings were actually used all throughout the 40s and 50s to publicize American holidays, including Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Mother's Day. Mm. They did a whole Mother's Day feature on her written by Eleanor Early and talked about how oh, Grandma cool. Moses remains prouder of her preserves than of her paintings and proudest oh. of all of her four children, 11 grandchildren, and four great-grandchildren. So it looks like they lost Aww. another child before mm, this time mm -hmm. period. But I love that, too, that she was, like, so happy with her preserves and her children. And then during the 1950s, her exhibitions actually broke attendance records around the world. Wow. Yes. So tons of people came to look at her art 
And Judith Stein, an art historian, said, a cultural icon, the spry, productive, non-agenarian, and were continually cited as an inspiration for housewives, widows, and retirees, which I think is great too. Like there's a lot of people look at like the fact, I think especially with like anti-aging in America, especially Mm -hmm. (laughs) like anti-aging is this huge thing like we're looking at like the 20s is the prime of your life all the time yeah Mm -hmm. and it's weird because why on earth would the time when you're the most broke and directionless be the prime of your life like geez I hope not (laughs) yeah I think like retirement is such a beautiful wonderful time that like people should feel more motivated to explore things that they maybe never looked at before and like you have time. You have money. Like, do enjoy something. Enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. like, enjoy mm-hmm. it. Like, this is what you've worked your whole life for. Like, do something you've always dreamed of doing, you know? It's a great time, to. I love that they bring that up because, yeah, it it's, like, the perfect time to start exploring creative things that you maybe have never thought of before. And on the other side of it, like, sure, it's, like, on the people, don't give up on yourself. Follow your dreams no matter how old you are. But then also, like, we as a society like stop deeming people who we have all decided are past their prime as someone who doesn't have any more of an output. I think that especially with even like artists who are like already established, like Paul McCartney, I've even had the thought because he's still putting out albums. Actually, one of a song that he put out last year was like one of my most streamed song of last year. Um, He put it out with Dominic Fike and I just, I really love the song. How even old is Paul McCartney? I don't know. Um, I imagine like 50s? No, he's 80. (laughs) Are you serious? Oh, Paul McCartney. Who was I thinking of? Uh, maybe I don't know. I'm actually shocked. He's I think 80. I, was I thought he was like Jesse 70. McCartney. <laughs> well, I don't think he's 50. He's 35. How old is Jesse? That's funny. <laughs> that is funny. Anyways, but I have caught myself kind of like having this idea of like, what more does he have to say? You know, like yeah. I mean, for one thing, he's the Beatles. He's already had his prime. He's already like probably hit his prime of music making. Like he's probably done all that needs to be done. And I feel like. I had to call myself out because like what a toxic way to view art first off is one thing as like we as humans are like creative wells that can be dried up with age you know Mm -hmm. and like the idea that you only have a 10 year span of your life to draw from that well and then after that mm, it's dated it's bad it's you know it's not anything innovative and so like I said when Paul McCartney's song like one of his songs was my top streamed song of last year i was like hey like that was so stupid of me to say and also maybe paul mccartney isn't trying to reinvent the wheel like he reinvented the wheel in the 60s and 70s times yeah maybe now he's just making music for the joy of it and Mm -hmm. that's enough now and so anyways kind of a side tangent but no it also reminds me call myself out and everyone out It reminds me of Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga. Like right before he retires, he creates this beautiful album that got nominated for so many Grammys last year. Mm -hmm. And he's 96. So even though he said he's retired from music, like... He's so... I forgot he was 96. Yeah. Like did a whole album with Lady Gaga at age like 95 Mm -hmm. and got nominated for like five Grammys. So yeah, yeah, it's just... It's never too late. And I feel like we need to think about that more that it's like you really do have like the rest of your life like (laughs) your whole life yeah Yeah. I feel like too it just like shows how we view old people as a society is almost like a nuisance and like 
Right. That's such a horrible thing. Like you have the most wisdom and you should like have the most resources and everything at your disposal at that time and like knowledge and downtime. Like that should be the time when you're able to be the most creative in your life. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of crazy that we immediately are just like, oh, you're 30? Life is over. <laughs> oh, you're past 40? You must have nothing valuable to say. Which right? is like, why do we keep trusting 20-year-olds for like art? Like, yeah, why don't we want the wisest, most experienced people to like, I don't know. If 20 was their truly thoughts. the prime of human condition, we would not make people wait until they're 45 to be president of the United States, just saying. So, <laughs> I mean, granted, I don't know if we've done a great job at picking those either. So, no. like, I don't know. Yeah, but there's some reason the founding fathers, even with their smaller lifespan, yeah. was like, let's wait until these people are 40. <laughs> like, we should not have a 19-year-old running the country. And I agree with that still. Yeah, you know, I don't what? know if it should necessarily be like a 45 year old, but I'm okay with no 19 year old being in I mean, here's the thing like, I understand, yeah, young people provide new perspectives, young people are changing the world. I don't know. We got to be careful. We can't just crap on old people. I don't know. It's obviously very late as we're recording this, and so don't <laughs> yeah. mind my tangents. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. We're going to take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists. So today for my artist spotlight, I am shouting out Katie, who is a designer and illustrator. Her at or username on Instagram is Katie underscore illustrated, freelance designer, letterer slash chronic overthinker, according to her Instagram bio. And she has her work. She's It says she's a thoughtful creator. And I'm looking at what that is and it looks like it's a company that creates like cards for people so I wonder if it's like they like hire out illustrators and you can like go and like make and design cards for them I'm not exactly sure but that's cool how I discovered her (laughs) is because on the Instagram for you page there was a design she did called of Santa and it's old saint thick And Mm -hmm. sure enough, Santa's got a big old juicy booty. (laughs) (laughs) That is so funny. It's hilarious. And it looks like that the design is available on Thoughtful as a greeting card. So if you want to have the coolest greeting card ever with good old Santa with a good old booty, head on over there. (laughs) That is so funny. And you can get one for all of your favorite friends. She also just has like the cutest lettering. Yeah. mm -hmm. It's adorable. I love it. And it was like very festive. Like she has really cute ones for Halloween, honestly. She hasn't done a lot of like holiday ones, but like it is also December 3rd today. So that's fair. But, but like yeah. even just going through all of her like last Christmas ones, they're really cute. It looks like last year she did a bunch of like mm-hmm. family ones. Like she has like a Merry Christmas to my sister, best friend and therapist. She also Aww. has life doesn't come with a manual. It comes with a mum. Oh, yeah. I like that. Merry Christmas, Dad. You deserve the world, but this card will have to do. Consider this an IOU. Merry Christmas to my brother. Lots of love from mom and dad's favorite child. (laughs) Wow. Very hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. So those are cute. Lots of fun little Christmas cards. And again, that's Katie underscore illustrated. I actually found this artist. She can recommended when I followed someone else. I always love when that happens. It's Emily underscore illustrates. Wow. So in sync. Yeah, I know. 
And she actually has a ton of cute little winter stuff already up, um, mm-hmm. which is amazing considering December just started. But yeah, I was very charmed by she has this little anthropology illustration. Yeah. She did a advent calendar for Andrew George and Viv Beauty and created this little ski rental scene with windows and everything for an advent calendar for anthropology, which is stunning. Oh. Yeah. Literally yeah. so cute. And then she just also has a bunch of just fun, beautiful little things. Oh, it looks like she did another one on Anthropology, George and Viv, wooden advent of a little Royal George Hotel with a bunch of windows as well. Um, Uh So yeah, lots of really, really cute advent calendars up. She also has some little illustrations of penguins and seals. That's amazing. Have you ever done an advent calendar? I was just going to say that my mother-in-law just sent Jordan and I advent calendars this year and she sent him a Harry Potter themed one and mine was Dolly Parton Love and it that. was perfect and beautiful so I really I mean I feel like I must have done them before like I don't know as a kid like the cheap versions of it but like when we got it I was like oh should we just like open all of them and like see what's in it and Jordan was like no it's a calendar <laughs> one a day I'm like fine okay I will show straight <laughs> So yesterday, the December 1st, I got a delicious piece of chocolate. And then today I got two peppermint candies. And so I'm excited to see what the third one brings me. So fun. I've been watching some people on TikTok about those really expensive, insane ones from like Louis Vuitton that are like $300. I would love to get one of those. Well, they're kind of lame. Like one of them's just chocolate, which I'm like, okay. And then the other one was ornaments. But like... Didn't Chanel get like called out last year because they, I, I saw it on TikTok like theirs was very expensive but was just like samples basically like That's it was lame. it was bad. I feel like if you're gonna do a really pricey one, you better be like giving me like an iPod or something. <laughs> <in each one. laughs> like that's yeah. kind of crazy. Like, like, like I but... want designer like rare things in there. I don't want yeah, yeah. samples. I can go buy my own chocolate. What do you mean? Oh, I saw a TikTok today where a girl said that like her husband made a I saw advent calendar, was but it, it was the, the books? books. Yes. Yep. The, and I was uh-huh. like, oh my gosh, can someone please do that for me? <laughs> yeah. Literally 25 <laughs> books. Oh my gosh. And they and were wrapped as like, No, yeah. they were nice, good books. Which like, that's an expensive gift. Ugh. But like, wow. Amazing. That's a really expensive book. I mean, gift, but yeah, Mm -hmm. I saw another lady who was like, I'm going to make one for myself out of all the books I was supposed to read this year, and I didn't. (laughs) Uh Oh, he called out. smart. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So she's like picking one book a year and deciding whether or not she's going to read it or just get rid of it because she has so many that she bought and didn't read. I would love that, though. We should do that as a giveaway next year. We'll pick one lucky More than a muse advent calendar? Of books. Or 25 books. (laughs) 25 books. If we get enough followers, there's our promise, everybody. Yeah. If we go, go. if we have a million followers by next December, we'll give away 25 books. We'll even make it easier. A million listeners. That's even easier than followers. That's even is. You know, we're actually, no, we're not that close, but we are farther along on listeners than we are on Instagram followers. Agreed. Which, by the way, we can tell that most of you are not following. (laughs) We know that. We, we're like, very aware. Only kind of we see the numbers. 
I know you can Google things yourself, but I do put a lot of effort into making sure that our Instagram has all of the stuff we talk about. So yeah, see, this isn't us being annoying people whining about not having followers. This is us caring about you and yes. recognizing that you do not get the full More Than Amused podcast experience if you are not on our Instagram because like it's perfectly curated all the highlights of of first off what these people look like their art their Maya Angelou you posted the poem that she Mm -hmm. wrote it was it's yeah I mean I I'm I'm begging for your follow because I care about (laughs) you yes No, but really, though, we do put a lot of effort in. I feel like it's the only place that we can, like, reach any of you outside of, like, Mm -hmm. listening to us once a week. So, I don't know. If you're enjoying it, if you're listening every week, which we know you are, then come follow us over there, too. All right. Now, back to the show. What's really cool is her paintings were actually reproduced on Hallmark greeting cards, tiles, fabrics, Mm. and ceramics. They also were used a ton in advertisements for things like coffee, lipstick, cigarettes, and even cameras, which is really cool. And this, like, she reached so much acclaim at this point, which is just amazing. So in 1950, the National Press Club cited her as one of the five most newsworthy women. The National wow. Association of House Dress Manufacturers honored her as their 1951 Women of the Year. When she was 88 years old, Mademoiselle Magazine named her the Young Women of the Year. Love that. Wow. <laughs> she was awarded two honorary uh-huh. doctoral degrees. The first came from Russell Sage College in 1949, and the second was two years later from Moore College of Art and Design. President Harry S. Truman presented her with the Women's National Press Club Trophy Award for Outstanding Accomplishment in Art in 1949. There's actually a documentary about her life that came out in 1950 that was nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah. In 1952, she published her autobiography, My Life's History. And in it, she said, I look back on my life like a good day's work. It was done, and I feel satisfied with it. I was happy and contented. I knew nothing better and made the best out of what life offered. And life is what we make it, always has been, and always will be. She's not done. (laughs) That's how I hope to go out (laughs) with that. In 1955, she appeared as a guest on See It Now, a television program hosted by Edward R. Murrow. She was a member of the Society of Mayflower Descendants and Daughters of the American Revolution. Her 100th birthday was proclaimed Grandma Moses Day by the New York Governor Nelson Rockefeller. She and lived Life, to be 100? Life Magazine actually celebrated her birthday by featuring her on their September 19th, 1960 cover. And there's actually also a children's book that was published in 1961 called the Grandma Moses Storybook. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Cover of Times Magazine. She lived to be 101. Wow. That's incredible. So just a year after Life Magazine celebrating her birthday on the cover and getting Grandma Moses Day declared, she passed away on December 13th, 1961 at the Health Mm -hmm. Center in Hoosick Falls, New York. She's buried there at the Maple Grove Cemetery. President John F. Kennedy actually memorialized her, saying the death of Grandma Moses removed a beloved figure from American life. The directness and vividness of her paintings restored a primitive freshness to our perception of the American scene. Both her work and her life helped our nation renew its pioneer heritage and recall its roots in the countryside and on the frontier. All Americans mourn her loss. And after her death, her work was exhibited in several large traveling exhibitions in the United States and abroad. 
across the world. That is incredible. Yes. Like a beautiful, wonderful life. And I love that quote where she shared that she just had like a good life. She looks back at it like a good day's work, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And all of this, she just looked at it as a bonus. Like she was so happy with how her life was when, you know, her husband died at 60 that like everything else that came after was just extra. Well, and I I imagine that it's like growing up, like that was probably her goal was to like buy a farm of her own and like, you know, have kids, obviously found a lot of satisfaction with that, have kids, have a husband. Like, yeah, she lived a whole beautiful lifetime before this. Like this really is just like a cherry on top of like this beautiful life she created. (laughs) Exactly. And I think that that's kind of why I love her story even more is that nothing that she did before her art career is insignificant either. Like (laughs) she had, Mm -hmm. she gave birth 10 times. She Mm -hmm. raised five children and then later four into adulthood who has, I don't know how many grandchildren she had, but quite a lot, I'm sure, when you have that many kids. Mm -hmm. Like made all these preserves that she entered in county fairs, created quilts for all of her neighbors, literally painted paintings for the postman when she couldn't Mm -hmm. bake anymore. Like she had this beautiful, wonderful life with her whole neighborhood. And then her whole art career was just something that came after out of a passion and some downtime, you know, like mm-hmm. it's just wonderful to think of that, that it's like you can do so much when like you think you have so much little time left. And like what a beautiful life she was creating before the acclaim, like the acclaim yes. isn't what makes her life a story worth telling, you know, mm-hmm. which I mean, I guess is like, like we're talking about her on the podcast because of her artwork, <laughs> but like. You know what I mean. So very, very wonderful. I'm not done with her legacy, so we'll move into that. Yay. Amazing. She actually has a U.S. postage stamp honoring her. It's a recreation of her painting, Fourth of July, which the White House actually owns in their collection. It's a 1969 U.S. postage stamp. So very cute. In 1942, a piece called The Old Checkered House was actually appraised at the Antique Roadshow, which... I feel like we've all seen the Antique Road show, right? It was that Mm -hmm. weird show that would come on in between everything else. It's not as common (laughs) as her winter landscapes, but it was originally purchased in the 1940s for under $10. And when they went and got it appraised at the Antique Road show in 2004, it was appraised for $60,000. Can you imagine the profit (laughs) of buying a painting Mm -hmm. for under 10 bucks and then finding out a couple of years later, that it's worth $60,000. 60, like that is an investment. That's an incentive for all of us. Everyone needs to just go buy art from small local artists because you never know Mm -hmm. which ones in, you know, a hundred years will be famous. And think about like the legacy you are leaving for your posterity. That could be a small fortune for them. That could be a year's salary for them. Definitely. So Um, what's also really cool is that I was reading a thing about like what you should invest in now because like Bitcoin is ridiculous and tricky and like those Mm -hmm. weird images that everyone buys that I can't remember what they're called. They're like kind of fishy. Yeah. And it's like, like, you know, and everything I read, they were like, honestly, the traditional forms of investing are even better than the stock market, like invest in property and invest in art because it's something material and materials will always rise in value, always. Like, it's tangible. Yes. Yes. And that's why, like, antique furniture sells for more, and art sells for more, and houses sell for more. Like, you're always able to make more off of a tangible object. There we <laughs> so, go. Buy art, everybody. Yeah, 
go by art. In November 2006, her 1943 work, Sugaring Off, became her highest selling work in the United States at $1.2 million. That's what the top. Wow. Yeah, that she has sold a painting for, obviously after her death, but I'm sure her descendants are getting some kind of kickback for this. So that original gallery owner of her first solo exhibition, Otto Clear, the one who helped her create her business, mm-hmm. he actually gave her painting Fourth of July to the White House as a gift in 1952, and that's the same one that's that appears yeah, yes. on the, the postage, postage stamp. stamp. The character Daisy Granny Moses, Irene, played by Irene Ryan on the Beverly Hillbillies, was named as an homage to Grandma Moses, who died shortly before mm. the series began. So that's a fun little mm-hmm. thing. And if you've heard of Norman Rockwell, which if you listen to Lana Del Rey, you've heard a reference to him at least, and <laughs> Grandma <laughs> Moses, Norman Rockwell is the painter of that stereotypical but beautiful Thanksgiving dinner table painting. We have the guy at the head uh-huh. with the turkey and the whole family crowded yeah. into it. It's been recreated a million times. That's Norman Rockwell and, and Grandma Moses. They were actually wonderful friends for many years of their life. They lived Amazing. over the new Vermont, New York state border from each other. So Moses lived in Eagle Bridge, mm-hmm. New York. And after 1938, the Rockwells had a house in nearby Arlington, Vermont. And so she actually appears in one of his paintings Christmas Homecoming, which was printed on the Saturday Evening Post, December 25th, 1948 cover. So you can go and find Grandma Moses in a Norman Rockwell painting in the Saturday Evening Post wow. cover. <laughs> and that is Grandma Moses. Just a beautiful, wonderful life, like from 60 to 100 painting and before that being yeah. a very dedicated farmer and wife and mother and creator, you know, with quilts and everything else. I don't care if it's considered hobby art. That's hard work. <laughs> so Absolutely. Yeah. How did you stuff. find her artwork or hear of her again? Did you like already know about her? Yeah, I already knew about her. My okay. mom talked about her when I was little. I remember like seeing some of her winter scenes when I was little. One thing I really love about her art is it's extremely approachable for children. Because it's, like, very – it kind of reminds me of, like, a Where's Waldo book. Like, Mm -hmm. Google her name. Just Google Grandma Moses and look at her art. She has, like, all these people. Honestly, I've been doing it this whole time. Right? It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, like, it's, like, almost like you want to, like, see everything that's happening in the scenes and explore, like, every little corner of these towns that she paints. Yes, exactly. Like, she has some of, like, carriage rides on ice with a barn. And there's just so many cute, fun little details. And it's – it's simple but like stunning. It it's mm-hmm. exactly what I think like children's books should be illustrated like, you know? Yeah. They're just mm-hmm. beautiful with all the little details and everything. So I remember looking at her paintings like very early on in my life and always kind well, of I was remembering that. Thinking just like the amount of Googling I have been of like various phrases of like woman, artist, Christmas. And like I still haven't like really, you know, I wasn't able to find a lot with the woman artist Christmas, you know, search. And <laughs> yeah. You would think, like, I, I get that it's like a vague tie into Christmas, but like there's enough that I would think that it should show up. So you'd think, hmm. I think I actually, it was refreshed in my brain. My, I typed in like famous winter paintings. That's okay. That's probably what and I, I think needed to do. one of hers did pop up and I was like, oh yeah, okay. Grandma Moses. Like I know mm-hmm. who that is. And then immediately wrote it down. But of course, most of the ones by men come up, including that Dutch artist that she's compared to Mm -hmm. immediately comes up. Well, since the resource does not exist, eventually More Than a Muse will compile 
an amazing list of women artists with some type of tie into tie in. the holiday season. <laughs> yeah. Whether yeah. that be Christmas or any, you know, holiday. Right. Even though she does have so many paintings for literally every holiday, there's oh, probably yeah. one out there. You could go get a Grandma Moses calendar and it would be adorable. She has one for Halloween. Oh, that she has that would 4th be of July. cute. I'm sure yeah. there's one on Amazon. If there's not, someone's got to have it on Etsy or something. <laughs> like, True. there's no way that that doesn't exist. If it doesn't, then someone out there, whoever's running her estate is dumb because that would be genius. Honestly, Calendar. yeah. Like I said, I, as you've been talking, I looked up her paintings and I've just kind of been scrolling through. And yeah, it's it's beautiful. Also, I really love when they did the cover of her for Time magazine. They have a quote mm. that she said. And she mm-hmm. said, Christmas is not just one day. Christmas is not just one day. Oh, I mean, she's right. The best part of Christmas is leading up to Christmas, not the actual day. Yeah. And it's like the feeling, right? Like community mm-hmm. and everything else. Like that's what Christmas should be about. Absolutely. So I just love that. Like their Christmas issue and too. she's on the front. And she's so cute. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to look at a picture of Grandma Moses, too. Obviously, we'll have a bunch of her paintings and everything else on the Instagram. Mm-hmm. So, once again, go follow us on there. More than we use podcast, dot podcast. But she's just, like, the cutest little woman. Like, she looks exactly like a stereotypical grandma. And I love it. Yeah. Uh-huh. I love it. Wow. I love finding new artists to fall in love with. So, thank you for bringing Grandma Moses into my life. Of course. We have to have Grandma Moses. She gets to join Alma mm-hmm. Thomas, I think, is like our two top oldest artists that we've covered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it goes along so well with our Maya Angelou episode mm-hmm. last week or two weeks ago, where I talked about how in the interview she did with Oprah, she touched on this theme where she was like, and when I was 60, I thought these are the best years of my life. And now I'm 70 and now I'm mm-hmm. 80 and I'm thriving now. And it's just... It's a good reminder. I feel like it's something that, like you mentioned, like in your 20s, like you feel like, ah, I'm supposed to be in my prime and achieve everything this decade. And as someone who's 25, you're 26, like it scares me being in the second half of my 20s now thinking like, oh no, I've ruined my life and there's no chance (laughs) for me to be a songwriter now. But like, that's stupid. That's stupid and like self-sabotage and with that attitude, yeah, probably not. (laughs) Yeah, and even when we were talking about it in like our pop album episode and just like seeing these pop artists in their 30s and how all of them are like, yeah, like, you know, I'm still here. It's like, why do Mm -hmm. we even have that attitude? Like you've had a decade long of experience writing pop songs. You should be able to write even more you're probably really good at it now yeah like why are we always looking for like the fresh new thing as a society when it's like you know what sometimes the tried and true way is the way to go like yeah or like we can make room for everyone like invite the new people in that doesn't mean we have to kick the old people out because no yeah there's plenty of room for everybody Especially in the age we live in now. There is plenty of space for everyone. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, I just love it. I love finding people that accomplish things later on in their lives. And I think it's just as inspirational Mm -hmm. as people who are like prodigies early on. I dare say almost more inspirational, but... Right? No hate to anyone who obviously... You have to overcome a whole lifetime of doubt if you're going to do that later too. So Yeah, and that's hard very very hard well thank you for sharing her with me 
thank you everyone for listening and we will be back next week with another episode hope you are enjoying Mm -hmm. your holiday season with however you are choosing to celebrate or you know however you i guess normally celebrate this year and happy december happy december merry christmas happy holidays whenever hanukkah and kwanzaa are happy those as well bye Specialize in die-cast metal miniature gun models that you didn't know you've been looking for. Called Goat Guns. Ah! Yes, Goat. They are the greatest of all time gun models you can display on your desk. Buy, build, and collect them. We offer a 90-day return policy if you don't love yours. Start your collection at GoatGuns.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.